hello. Hello. Introduce yourself. I'm Stormy Daniels. We've known each other a long time. I feel like I need to be honest with you. This story makes me want to leave my body. Uh, the White House has said that this was an allegation which was talked about prior to the election that was shot down. Trump and Daniels invited her to their hotel room. Trump allegedly saying, oh, come on, Alana, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Come to the party. We're waiting for you. This is Virginia Heffernan. Welcome to TrumpCast. We're in an emergency broadcast <laughs> because I have shanghaied Jacob Weisberg here to tell me what the hell has been going on between him and a porn star. That's right. Jacob Weisberg became part of the news this week when the Wall Street Journal and then the New York Times reported that a porn star, of all things, had come forward to accuse Donald Trump of well, Donald Trump's team of buying her silence when she wanted to talk about a consensual affair she had with him. Cited in the New York Times account of this was Jacob Weisberg, who apparently knew all about this ages ago. So his wife has her own concerns about him. But <laughs> as his co-host, my concerns are, why didn't you do the story for Trumpcast pre-election? I'm starting to think, did you give us Donald Trump? That's what we're here to find out today. So, Jacob, tell us what happened. Virginia, I could swear I told you about this story that I'd been working on it and got stuck and, and couldn't do it. It seems a funny thing for you to forget. <laughs> don't, don't guys always say, remember that brief conversation where we had, <laughs> where we said we had an open marriage yeah. two years ago on the way out the door? Well, maybe you mentioned it to me, but somehow it didn't stick. So refresh my memory. Well, I'm sorry if we if I violated our no secrets policy. We'll certainly have that going forward. Um, and I should say I did try to get Stormy Daniels to come on Trumpcast, and I believe her response to that was, "What's that?" Ooh. And I said it's a podcast that a lot of people listen to about Donald Trump. But I actually thought when we were negotiating about the possibility of her going public with this story in the late summer and fall of 2016, that coming on this podcast before you were a regular, you were just an occasional guest, we were incomplete in, in that era, but I thought I would interview her about the story, and that was one possibility, which in the end she wasn't willing to do. You know, this isn't the kind of thing I usually do as a journalist, but what happened was I ran into a friend at a party in New York, and he said, hey, I've got a tip for you. I've got a friend in California who has a friend who is in the adult film industry, and she had an affair uh, with Donald Trump, and she might be willing to talk about it. We've said many times when we've discussed sexual abuse and harassment charges against the president and other people that Jacob would be last to the guillotine. He is a gentleman of the highest order, and he does not have connections with porn stars, but he is an intrepid journalist. And I'm usually the last to any kind of story like this. I mean, I just, you know, this isn't the kind of reporting I've, I've done before. I'm, I'm known for having demanding demanded the year off during the Monica Lewinsky <laughs> scandal because I didn't want to write about it. But anyway, in this case, I thought, look, this bears looking into, and it falls to me. And... I tracked Stormy Daniels down, and she was willing to talk to me pretty openly when I finally got her on the phone. And it was a pretty interesting story. Uh, she said she'd had an affair with Donald Trump for 11 months. It was just under a year. Mm -hmm. She'd met him at this golf tournament in Nevada at um, Lake Tahoe mm -hmm. um, where he sort of picked her up, and they'd ended up in his hotel room. And uh, then, you know, she met him several times for liaisons after that in L.A. a couple of times. She went to Trump Tower. 
thumb in New York. And um, you guys have not lived until you heard Jacob say liaisons. <laughs> just very, just just listening to your discomfort right now. They had some rendezvous. What's the plural rendezvous. of rendezvous? It's also rendezvous. <laughs> I think so, um, but interestingly, you know, this was this continued through the time of the Access Hollywood tape and the other accusations of sexual assault and harassment mm-hmm. against Donald Trump. And that was not what Stormy Daniels was saying. She said it was a consensual affair. Mm-hmm. And she very much insisted she was not a victim in this situation. Mm-hmm. But it was a story that, that rang true in many ways. And one of them was that he'd misled her about all kinds of things. He said he was going to buy her a condo in Tampa. And uh, most notably, he said he was going to put her on The Apprentice Mm. as a contestant Mm -hmm. because he was very impressed with her as a businesswoman. She was Stormy Daniels in addition to being an actress or performer in in adult films. Mm -hmm. She's a director, and I think she's pretty entrepreneurial, and she's been very successful or so I gather, in this industry. And so he thought, what better contestant? (laughs) That's actually kind of a good idea. I would watch that. Can can I ask about the first Nevada meeting? And I don't know if you know this, but was it also a business arrangement that she had with Trump? I mean, was she being paid for sex? No, I don't think so. There there was another allegation from uh, another uh, adult film performer called Jessica Drake, who said that Trump kissed her when against her without her consent and offered her ten thousand dollars to have sex with her and that was right around the same time two thousand six uh, but Stormy Daniels didn't say anything like that consensual it. affair went on for a while he didn't put her on the apprentice but she didn't really think he would uh, but what really got interesting about it and you know in the context of sort of the horrors of Donald Trump having an affair with someone a consensual affair with someone early in his marriage didn't seem like that big a deal. It was more interesting than, you know, a high-level outrage in any way. But Uh, wait a second. I want to stop you because that is actually very interesting because obviously if we had learned the same thing about Bill Clinton, Obama, George W. Bush, you know, we would have thought this was like explosive. And, you know, we hadn't yet learned about Access Hollywood. We knew he had cheated on his first wife with Marla Maples because it was all over the tabloids. But we didn't know that he had been unfaithful to um, Melania, his current wife. I I feel the same way. I I can't tell what's... I can't tell what would excite the electorate or not about Donald Trump's sex life or uh, harassment or assault charges. Sometimes you think nothing interests them. And then Access Hollywood at the end, which came at the end of your conversations with Stormy Daniels, briefly set people on fire. Um, what? How did you make that decision? It, it just it just was such a weird time. And we're talking about the summer before the election. Well, I wasn't making a decision. I was trying to get the story. Yeah. Um, and the the really interesting part of it to me yeah. was that she told me she was negotiating with Donald Trump for a non-disclosure agreement. He, uh. w- he was – there was a proposal. I don't know if he proposed or she proposed, but that he would buy her silence. And that I thought was pretty notable and interesting and relevant because it jumps when it jumps to money and lawyers. You're just like, now there's a story we've gotten. Like we we don't want to be upstairs in a hotel room with Stormy Daniels, but if Michael Cohen is involved, count me in. It's not the it's not the crime; it's the cover up, right? Uh, And uh, this was pretty clearly a negotiation taking place. And and I think the reason, although I tracked her down, the reason she was willing to talk to me and and was also negotiating with some other journalists is she thought Trump wasn't going to pay her. 
I mean, it was the classic. She was a subcontractor. And to, after the she thought Trump was going to get through the election. I mean, everyone assumed he was going to lose at that point. And then at that point, wouldn't have signed this agreement with her and wouldn't pay her an amount, which I understood to be in the very low six figures, over $100,000, but I'm not sure exactly how much. The Wall Street Journal has now reported that it was $130,000. Got it. And she thought as an alternative to being paid to not give out the story, mm. she could sell the story. I explained to her that Slate didn't pay for didn't pay sources and that reputable news organizations didn't do that and that it would hurt her credibility if she was paid for the story. And I really tried to encourage her to um, go public without mm-hmm. without compensation. But we kind of hit a wall there. We were talking ostensibly on the record, and I thought she would probably eventually be willing to be interviewed on the show or or give her story to me formally. But we kept going back and forth, and she was not reconciled to the idea that she would not get paid for her story. And mm. I believe she talked to Good Morning America, and it, it's now been reported she talked to the Daily Beast and maybe others. Um, and it seems like nobody was willing to pay her for for this story. How did you um, how did you kind of kick the tires of the story when you were talking to her? I mean, how how did you know she was not just seeking attention? Well, she had some corroborating details she could offer. I mean, she had, she said, well, she arranged these meetings through Keith Schiller, Trump's oh, longtime yeah. bodyguard, and here's his phone number, and Rona Graf, his personal assistant. Mm. She knew Trump world really well, and she said, the lawyer we're talking to is is Michael. I said, Michael Cohen? She said, yeah, that's, that's the guy. And this was before Michael Cohen. You know, this was pre-dossier. I mean, yeah. Michael Cohen was Trump's personal but lawyer. But you had that name in your pocket. Uh, well, I'd heard, I'd heard that name, but it wasn't quite as much of a ho- household name. Um, and then I spoke. I said, you know, I I, I want to speak to people at the time who can provide contemporary corroboration, who you told or who knew about it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to three friends of hers, all wow. gay, gay men, who are still friends with her and who she sort of lived with a couple of a couple in one case while the part of the affair was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they her, their story matched hers. I mean, she had said the same thing then and she had said the same thing to them. They didn't necessarily remember all the details. But that part of it, I considered pretty well confirmed mm-hmm. and, and actually brought another Slate reporter, our, our friend Leon Nafok, yes. to, who's a very good investigator to help me try to track some of this down. But when mm-hmm. But once she stopped at some point, she stopped returning my calls and texts and yeah. was no longer cooperating. And I still wanted to try to figure out how to do the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest problem was I couldn't corroborate the agreement. Yeah. I, I had reason to think she'd she'd made this agreement with Trump through Michael Cohen and through her lawyer, who was called Keith Davidson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, a, a friend of hers told me that she told him that she'd made this agreement. But all I had was an unsigned addendum to the contract that they were negotiating. Hmm. And it didn't, on its own, prove anything. It's pretty interesting. I still got it on my on my phone here. The, she texted ad- it to me. Yeah, the, the addendum, right. Tell me about that. Well, what, so presumably there's an agreement that, she, you know, the nondisclosure agreement. That yeah. she, she won't say anything. But the agreement uses pseudonyms. And this is partly how they make it a secret confidential oh, agreement. And so the addendum says... The person, the pseudonym this in the agreement is actually this person. And the, the person called this is actually this person. Uh-huh, so it cipher. says, yeah, so this addendum says that Stormy Daniels in the agreement is referred to by the pseudonym Peggy Peterson and blank 
is referred to by the pseudonym David Dennison. So wait, even the even the addendum, which supposedly gives you the code, you know, that A equals Z and so forth, that breaks the code of the thing, doesn't have the, the well, name of the principal, Donald Trump, in it. Well, the part I have is, is blank. It has a blank to fill in that name, which presumably would be uh, Donald Trump when at the time I see, it was once signed. once he was contracted with. So, one that once, they, once they signed so it. So the fully executed addendum would, we imagine, fill in the name. Of our president. I think it would have to. And uh, there's a provision in this addendum that says only Stormy Daniels' lawyer, Keith Davidson, and the lawyer for the other party may retain copies of this side letter agreement that identifies the parties by their real names. So if this happened, Mm. if this agreement got signed, there is a side letter in the files of Michael Cohn and of Keith Davidson saying who the pseudonyms in this in the contract are, and those are the only two copies. NDAs are so odd and interesting because part of this NDA must have included that you are also under an NDA about having an NDA, right? So if you're if she's sued for violating her NDA, then the Michael Cohen, the other parties have essentially admitted she has an NDA. And if she has an NDA, that's the cover-up. And well, that's the interesting part. The giveaway was when the Wall Street Journal broke this story yeah. on, on Friday. There was a statement from Stormy Daniels that was released by Michael Cohen. And he released this, this statement in uh, under her signature dated two days before the Wall Street Journal story. So they must have known it was coming. And, you know, in it, she denied having a sexual and or romantic affair. I love sexual and or romantic with (laughs) Trump or receiving any, quote, hush money from Trump. But presumably, if you if you didn't receive hush money from Trump, why are you releasing your statement through Trump's lawyer? Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, you might release your statement yourself if you wanted to deny, but to get Trump to effectively release it for you um, seemed like a little bit of an obvious giveaway there. Um, (laughs) No. And you talked to her lawyer, though, right? I never talked to her lawyer. I spoke to an agent. There was Uh another woman named Gina Rodriguez who was also a former um, porn performer. Um, I'm with you that not all porn actors are porn stars. You know, uh, I <laughs> I work very hard on Twitter to say interesting things. <laughs> the only thing that has ever gotten that kind of attention was just a very oh, – I only later realized it was a astute question. Why is anyone who's ever appeared in pornographic film called a porn star? I'm with you, Virginia. Not everybody can be a star. Some of them have to be just journeymen <laughs> and women, journey players. journey porn performers. But anyway, Gina Rodriguez, who was a is a kind of agent, and like Keith Davidson, the lawyer, seems to represent a lot of kind of reality TV show mm. type. People with lawsuits against celebrities. Mm. I mean, there's a whole kind of demi mond here, oh, yeah. which is not does not seem very salubrious. Um, but but yeah. I did I did speak to her, and she seemed to be the one negotiating with with some of the media organizations yeah. on behalf of Stormy Daniels when she was possibly going to go public. At one point, she was maybe going to have a press conference in Dallas, but then it just all all went dark, and she stopped responding. You know, from some of the real wingnuts on Twitter, there was a charge that you had, quote, sat on the story because, of course, you were in the pocket of the Trump campaign or maybe the Russians intending to give us Donald Trump. But um, what 
yeah, what? So I remember you succinctly summed up why you hadn't gone with the story, and it was essentially what you said. Could it, you couldn't nail it? Yeah, there were a bunch of reasons. I mean, we we I couldn't nail down the the stuff about the agreement um, to satisfy, I think, a, a high enough standard of proof. But also, you know, she was. We were on the record, but she was asking to be paid. Right. And, you know, I couldn't then, didn't seem fair if she was trying to to sell it. And I was talking to her about that, even though I wasn't offering to pay. Yeah. To then go with the story, which she would have, once she signed the agreement, contradicted. So it would have, the story would have been, porn star says she had an affair with Donald Trump and have her presumably put out a press release saying, I didn't have an affair with Donald Trump. Right. So it was in a, it was in a very gray zone then. And um, also, you know, there was this other story about this former Playboy centerfold model who was called Karen McDougal. And the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal reported right before the election, four days before the election, that she'd been effectively paid off by the National Enquirer. David Pecker, mm-hmm. who's the CEO yes, of American right. Media, is a friend of Trump's, paid $150,000 for her story, but in fact, to not publish her story. Right. So there was something very, very close parallel because she was similarly apparently going to allege that she'd had an affair with Trump. And that story didn't, four days before the election in the middle of Access Hollywood and everything else, didn't seem to matter that much or make that much of a splash. Uh, So some of this just seemed at that point like not absolutely crucial or relevant. Is um, that story about the of David Pecker at the National Enquirer interests me because tabloid methodology of paying for stories um, turns into kind of a shell company for hush money. I mean, do you think that it's tr- it's Trump's people, or was that ass- was David Pecker essentially making a donation to the Trump campaign, or do you think that that might have come through the uh, through Michael Cohen? That looked like a contribution to me, but another way of silencing someone. I think they've probably done a lot of this. Yeah. I think this is pretty well-trod ground for Donald Trump. I doubt it's the first agreement like this he's made. And, you know, in some ways I was saying at the end of the campaign, it didn't seem in the context of what was going on that it was kind of a top 10 liability Mm. for him. But, you know, in the context of the Russia story and the Steele dossier, Mm. some of this takes on a slightly different light. When the dossier first came out, one Mm. of the claims from Trump and his people was that the story about consorting with prostitutes and the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow and there being compromise was all ridiculous because Trump, you know, just didn't do stuff like that. Well, you know, we're now up to four people who've had some involvement in the in the porn industry who've alleged relationships with him. Mm-hmm. This one woman, there was a Daily Beast story about another porn actress called Alana Evans who mm-hmm. said at this golf thing at Reno where he met uh, Stormy Daniels, they mm-hmm. invited her to come for a threesome mm-hmm. Um you know, That's right. whatever yeah, the, the, the idea that this that the that the dossier allegations about Trump are totally implausible, uh, and that there couldn't possibly be compromise based on his behavior when he was there for a beauty contest in 2013. Well, this provides little potential substantiation of that. I mean, and it's the, a little bit. It's a little bit like the slightly tedious conversation about is Trump a racist? I mean, since 1973, he's do, done racist things. He's in prax, praxis, as they say, word and deed. He's a racist, and 
we have from Michael Wolf's book, from things Trump has said about women on The Howard Stern Show, from all these allegations from the Marla Maples episode, we, in the very first profile of, of Trump in the in the New York Times, it says he, he's always surrounded by slinky models. I mean, you know, this is a guy who, by his own admission, has, like, styles himself as a kind of playboy surrounded by women, um, doesn't shy away from adultery. In fact, you know, splashes it on the cover of the Post. And I think the case is closed that he's... Uh, promiscuous and lecherous. Yeah, but, you know, Steele went to the FBI when he was working on what became the the dossier, right. according to Glenn Simpson's testimony, which we talked about last week, yeah. because he was worried that Trump could be blackmailed. Yes, right? yes. And this is, you know, put in a different light, paying someone to keep secrets about his sex life is looks a lot like paying blackmail. So yeah. again, this you know yeah. this this story I think has has a relevance in the dossier context and the Russia context mm-hmm. because it substantiates a really a very real concern that he's highly blackmailable if he did all yes, these things. Yes, vulnerable to blackmail, which brings us back to our comfort zone of Trump Russia, where we <laughs> would really interest us. Thanks for pointing out. You're right. It's about the money. You are forgiven. For your secrets. And if I didn't tell you before, I'm really sorry. I'm glad we got honest. No today secrets. And sat no, down. Secrets no secrets going forward. Found it. <laughs> okay. Take care. <laughs> so that's our show for today. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. And before we go, you gotta follow us on Twitter. We're at Real Trumpcast. That's at Real Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to the show.